Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, just a quick reminder to use code FINDTHEMAGIC to receive $50 off any Gab wireless device, watches, phones. Let's keep our kids safe on tech as they go back to school, but also safe and aware of where they are. So again, that's Gab Wireless with code FINDTHEMAGIC. You can receive $50 off any device. Hey everyone, it's Caitlin. I'm going to start us off with our face palms and high fives, and mine is a high five. Um... Emmett, my three-year-old, is super into dinosaurs right now, which that in itself is just a fun high five because if anybody's ever heard a three-year-old say any dinosaur name, it is just so cute. It's the best. So it's so fun because they're such they're all such long names, and he knows a lot of them really well just because we get a lot of books from the library about dinosaurs. And so it's so cute because he'll pretend to be different dinosaurs and he knows different facts about them that is just so cute to hear a little three-year-old talk saying those words and hearing it. So I'm loving that. And it's fun because he and Will, my one-year-old, are going to be dinosaurs um, for Halloween. Thanks to Felicia's letting us borrow some costumes and so is Tara Lynn. So thank you both. Um, so they're actually like dragon costumes, but I'm saying that they're dinosaurs and Emmett loves it. Like he's been, he asked to put on his Velociraptor costume every day. And I just think it's so fun because this is the first year that I've had a kid that actually, I feel like before now, I don't think Emmett has totally even got what Halloween is and why we're dressing up. I don't think he really gets it. So it's just so fun. I'm like loving, I'm just loving experiencing Halloween with kids at this age because I feel like he's getting it and I've always enjoyed Halloween, but I feel like it's a whole nother level. I think that's just such a fun gift that kids bring us is like the magic of the different holidays and that he's really into actually dressing up and doing it. So big high five to that. I'm, I'm like really excited for Halloween this year. I agree. It's so fun. We have a, we will link, we'll remember to link, um, our Halloween, slash traditions episodes but there's some fun ideas if you can hurry and get in a listen for <clears throat> some fun traditions you can do with your kids for Halloween yes yeah. and especially at Emmett's age where you have he probably doesn't even remember last year you know what I mean he's still at the age where that's too far away to even remember so everything is just new it's just so fun oh my goodness okay yeah. well yes I do love hearing him say his dinosaur words they're adorable Okay, well, my high five is that on Sunday, my husband and daughters were out of town, 
So just me and my sons. And after church, we there was like a frost line on the mountain because there had been some snow up in the mountain and it had rained down in the valley. So if you looked at the mountain, it was these gorgeous fall leaves halfway up the mountain. And after that, it was just white. And they wanted to go up and see, like go to the actual line to see what it looked like. And so we took, it ended up being like an hour and a half. It was a lot longer than I thought, but we just drove directly after church. We drove up the mountain and we found the frost line and guys, it was magical because it went from everything looks like it's on fire to things just become black and white. You know, it was so, so magical just to feel the wonder of nature in a way that was unplanned that we hadn't, I don't know. There's something about sometimes just like getting those little extra connection moments and it was one of those things that I wasn't really in the mood for when they brought it up. I was like, eh, I don't know, but <laughs> we we're free. And so I went and I'm just, it's just one of those examples of as a parent, sometimes you have surprise, surprise moments you weren't expecting of beautiful presence. And for me, that looked like going in nature, doing something that we had time for that was kind of spontaneous and it ended up just being magical. So that's my high five is that kind of time you get with kids, you know? Yeah, I love that. And it goes perfectly with our episode. I'll do my high five, I think it is, real quick. But then I kind of want to bring it back to that because that's exactly what we are talking about today. My high five is more of um, just an idea. But as I'm saying this, I'm realizing depending on when your city is trick-or-treating you guys might not hear all of these ideas before Halloween so I will also share them on our social media but and and we we mentioned this last year but if you're I don't know if the right word is concerned or if you're like just pondering this year how much candy and treats and you maybe didn't love it as much last year that your kids are getting, I wanted to tell you guys about an idea that I think is really fun, and it's called the Switch Witch. Last year, I shared this, and I wasn't sure about this Switch Witch idea, (laughs) but I'm going to propose it to my kids this year, and the idea of the Switch Witch is that they give you their ginormous bag of candy, and they can switch it for some sort of small prize or doing something fun with you instead of just for eight months eating Skittles, small bags of Skittles and spreading the garbage throughout your house. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the idea of the Switch Witch. Um, There's a lot of cool ideas online about what people do to replace their Halloween candy that are really fun. So you can look those up and also share this on social media because you might not hear this before Halloween. Okay, do you, so I have sorry. a question about that. Yes. So on Halloween night, do they eat candy and then just the next day you give them that option to switch it out? Or do they literally like come home, you switch it out before the night's even over? So in my mind, I think it's fun to enjoy some of your treats Halloween night and then hand it over the next day. I think that's like what I, I haven't fully done the switch switch yet, um, but I don't know. I haven't seen people say like exactly when they trade it in, Mm, but I think it's the fun of Halloween night of eating your treats is so 
Mm-hmm. It was fun. But then after that, it's just a disaster, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea. I feel like um, Emmett is still young enough that, like, I do the switch wish without him even knowing. You know, it's like he'll eat them and then the candy. He never asks about it again. But again, this is – we'll see what happens this year. He's three. Like, maybe he will be like, wait a minute. Where did that bag of candy go? Yes. You know what I mean? So, like, the next day I could see that happening. But I feel like up until now it's like, oh, yeah, have the couple pieces and then buy. But I agree. I do not like eating of candy anywhere else in my house because I don't like like the sucker getting every – like, mm-mm, I don't like it. Anyway, so yeah. I do I do agree. I kind of like the idea of being more intentional about that. Like, then they can just enjoy it and then be done. So I like that. Yes. Let me know how it goes. Yeah, we'll report back. Okay, so today um, we are going to be talking about cultivating a life that is uh, full of presence and um, using our daily life as a pathway to our spiritual practice. And I, we got this idea from a podcast episode from Eckhart Tolle that he does with Oprah and everyone knows how much we love him and we like to come back to his ideas throughout the year because they are dense and if you've read his book sometimes it can feel like it's a lot and I really love each of if you can take each of his little nuggets of wisdom and apply them more intentionally and slowly, I think that they can build on each other and actually be quite simple. But when you hear them all at once, it can be overwhelming. So we will link his podcast episode that kind of inspired this, and it was daily life as a spiritual practice. And I really love thinking about this concept because a lot of the times it can feel like well, if I'm not doing some big, like, 21-day silent meditation retreat, then I might as well just throw the baby out with the bathwater and be on my phone 24-7 and just, like, live on a whim. And I truly believe there's this nice middle ground where we can live from a more present and grounded state of mind throughout our days, and it's extremely helpful in parenting because... Honestly, I think going on a silent retreat would be infinitely easier than the patience testing that parenting is. I think it's an opportunity to really find practices that can keep you grounded and like bring you into a state of testing your presence repeatedly throughout the day, whether that's through extreme boredom in sometimes where your mind just feels unstimulated or the patients testing constantly that kids are. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to um, give you guys an overarching like summary of what that looks like cultivating that presence and then some routines that help us do that. Yeah. I really like, um, This isn't necessarily a new topic for us talking. Like we talk about this kind of thing. We've talked about it before in different episodes, but I really liked something that I think when I was 
kind of pondering this topic is um, Eckhart Tolle says something kind of interesting. And um, he, like in this episode that we refer to, we'll post it in the show notes, but I really like, he says something like, because I think sometimes if anybody's ever listened to Eckhart Tolle or if you've read his books, he's just a very calm person and it seems like nothing ruffles him. And even I feel like I, I can picture Oprah asking him like, do you ever get mad or like upset or frustrated about something? And he's kind of like, he just is okay. Like he like observes everything and he's just present and aware. And sometimes I'm like, that sounds awesome. But also I don't know, like, is that doable? Like he seems kind of like this almost like freak of nature above normal life. But what I liked that he said that for some reason this time really stuck out to me. Sometimes you hear things and then you almost hear them again and different things stick out. And this for me did just like click for me that he said something like, it doesn't mean that life is never going to be challenging. Like that is like life will be challenging. If it wasn't, that means that you would be like unconscious. Like life is going to be challenging. There is going to be things that you're working through. But the point of it is that you are simply being present and observing and being aware. And I think, again, this isn't necessarily a new topic, but I really like that, that it's like, it doesn't mean that you're never going to have a struggle with your kid or even feel frustrated or like you don't know what you're going to do in like a situation where your kid's having, you know, having an issue with something. But it just means that you can work on being present and observing. You don't have to be the emotion you can observe the emotions passing through. You can still feel frustrated and you can still feel even angry or whatever the emotion may be, but you don't have to be it and you can simply be present and aware. And for some reason that was really good for me because I feel like, um, yeah, I think sometimes when I think about this, it's like, man, like, can I be that calm always? But it's not that you can't feel those emotions. It's simply that when we're present and when we're really thinking about how we're feeling, like when we're just observing that brings us power to be in the present moment and not try to either rush through it of like, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of dealing with this. We don't have to rush through it. We can simply like be there. And anyway, I really, I liked that. And I think it's a big part of helping us kind of bring more meaning into our daily practice, into our days of just simply choosing to be present and being aware of those emotions. Something I love that Eckhart says is, you know, he had somebody come up to him and show him a list of things Felicia, you mentioned a silent retreat, you know, they showed him a thing of, they're going to some self-help conference and was like, what classes should I take? And he said, all of those classes sound wonderful, but Joanna would teach you more than any of those classes combined, being present and staying with your breath in your regular daily life. And I think sometimes as parents, we feel like, oh, we're just not growing like other people are growing. You know what I mean? Like there are people, and to be clear, I am all about retreats. I think that sounds I think they're great. I support anything to, for growth and wholehearted living. However, I think it's beautiful when we realize that we are presented with one of the most, <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? Soul revealing experiences this life has to offer as parents. And I think changing our lens to realize that what we're just doing every day, we have the opportunity for so much soul growth if we can simply be present with it. And for me, the attitude shift makes a big difference. It moves it from being like, uh, uh, <laughs> to, which is kind of what we talked about a few weeks ago with making parenthood feel um, the difference between like just complaining about it all the time and actually enjoying it. 
when we realize that this is an amazing, amazing opportunity for soul growth and, and that comes through presence. I think your attitude really, this is kind of off subject, but it's fascinating. This just shows how attitude really matters. I don't know. Have I mentioned this before? I don't know. They did this study about women, not women, women and men, but working in different jobs and how they looked at their job and how it actually affected what they get out of their job. So this is just a little talk about lens change here. Okay. So the one, the part of it that I remember, I don't remember what book it was from, but they did a study on people who worked in hotels cleaning, doing the cleaning service. And one group of people, they said, they just talked about if they think they're healthy or not. And if they think they exercise and the people would like write down their answers. And then another group, they asked them the same questions, but before they actually said how, how much cleaning is an exercise. Like you're bending over, you're doing core. They said things like this, how many calories you're burning was your exercise. And then they asked those questions. Do you exercise and are you healthy? And the answers that the people gave were different. They perceived themselves as more healthy and getting exercise if they realized that what they were already doing was exercise. And guys, this is where it blows my mind. Then there was body results. The people who thought they were exercising while they were cleaning, actually their bodies responded and they got more, I don't even want to use the word fit, but yes, fit. You know what I mean? Like their bodies actually responded in a healthy way to that attitude. So what I'm saying is parenting, we have the exact same thing. Sometimes we feel like we're just like in the mire of like, oh, well, I'm just doing kid stuff. But we have this amazing opportunity to look at it as this is soul expanding work. How can we first of all, already realize what we're doing is soul expanding work and our spirits and our souls are going to respond accordingly because that's what we're seeing it as, right? And how do we do that? We come into the present moment. If we can face every, and when I say every, <laughs> we're humans, guys. So there's going to be times where we're like, whoa, I was not present there. But if we can actually face our children as beings and if we can face our own emotions as they come up inside of us, it turns thing it turns an event that would normally be frazzling into a really interesting space of curiosity you know when i really lose it when i'm like i am feeling i'm feeling impatient what that what just happened there really 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 frustrated me instead of just being like oh that was just miserable if i can look at it from a space of curiosity and presence everything changes my entire lens changes why did that bother me why is I'm feeling it right now. Why is that bothering me right now? Uh, it's because, you know, you'll have answers come to you. And if we can actually have, be present with our children when they're losing it also, if you've ever had a kid who's just, I mean, they're losing it. And if you are able to stay unruffled, like Jenna Lensbury would say, and actually be with them, there's been times where I've seen, I mean, it's almost like your kid is opening up. I mean, when they're expressing lots of big emotions to you, it's not pleasant for them. But if you can actually see them, it's like, to me, it's like they're, they're allowing you in a way that adults rarely do. They're allowing you to see inside of themselves. See, they're allowing you to see them at their worst, right? And how we respond to them as in, you are at your worst and I'm going to withdraw love from you right now and I'm going to freak out at you. That's teaching them that they can't show that to you, right? But if you've ever been able to actually have that moment of, I can actually be present with you in this. And that doesn't mean I'm going to give you what you want necessarily, but I can see that you're feeling really frustrated. That's where we develop this beautiful trust. And that's where we can actually, I mean, I don't want to be overly dramatic here, but I'm picturing a couple times in my kids' lives where I've witnessed you guys do it with your kids. And I've had a few times in my own life where you can tell they look at you and they're like, 
yo, you can see me. You can see me even when I'm losing it and you're still, you're present with me. There's something beautiful and really connective about it. And I think that happens as adults as well when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with somebody else, but it's just doesn't happen as often and we're not quite as open with our emotions as small children are, you know? But I think if we can look at when our children are showing us emotion, that is a time, an invitation where we can be present with them and it can actually be transformative. It changes the way we look at them expressing emotion completely. Just like the people who were cleaning and their bodies actually became healthier because they knew, they realized they were doing exercise. They had been doing exercise before, but when they realized they were, their bodies changed. I think the same thing go with parents. We're already doing it. We're already there when our kids are expressing emotion, right? Can we make it so that every time they do it, we are seeing this as an opportunity to be present with them and actually just be there? Again, this doesn't mean, and we have so many episodes on this, it doesn't mean we're giving into their demands. It doesn't mean we're being overly permissive. It simply means we're allowing ourselves to witness our children from a space of curiosity and presence. And to me, magic can happen even in the middle of a storm when you're when you're present presence really is this beautiful invitation to connect so I think that's where our connection happens and that's where life happens it's only now like the only thing we have is this moment right this second that's all we have ever we have the past and the future in our brains but it's not real it's just in our heads so the only thing we actually have is right now and that's where this beautiful invitation for connection and for me that means spiritual what is spiritual growth besides connection to something greater right and so to me connecting with another human finding that's I find God there also you know yeah yeah I I mean I thought of there's like three very specific things that that you said that I want to make sure we hit on but I think what you're saying about vulnerability is like the more I experience life, the more I feel that like the times in life that are really like light and happy and easy feel really good. And I like those, but the more I experience life, the more I truly feel like that place that encompasses both. And what you're saying about when your kids, when you, you feel that moment where they're like energy is almost open and your energy is open too. And it's kind of like a mix of, of it, it feels good because I know you, but it's also, it, there is a little bit of like, whether it's like sadness or frustration or whatever it is, it, it is authentic. So, and I would say like vulnerability, empathy, um, joy, I think joy is like that it's sort of like all the emotions meld together. And I think when we're open, we can feel all of those things. We can be with the person in that space. But, you know, when I'm not, so say my kid's trying to share something and I'm not fully present, like my mind's somewhere else, I can get like the, either they're mad and I can like be like, oh yeah, he's mad. Or they're happy and I'm like, yeah, you're happy about that and it's fine. And I don't think those, that's not bad. Again, like what we're going to be, we're working on this. And 49% of the time we're going to be able to be open in this space or whatever. But when I am open, exactly what Terilyn is saying, there's like these layers more. 
like there's more to each situation than I'm getting if I'm distracted. And I think that I love that you use the word curiosity. I think if we can be open to the mystery of instead of, you know, I'd rather be or I should be doing or, oh, we have to hurry and get here. This is next on my to-do list. Like those are all basically fictional. Like your life is in the moment you're in. And if we're constantly trying to get something out of it, constantly trying to get caught up, we're constantly trying to make X, Y, Z better, then we can't experience that true, true openness when we're like striving for the next thing. And that's like, I really have to remind myself that I have a tendency to be like going to the next place and it can, it looks really shiny in the place that's in your, the hypothetical space in your mind where everything's done looks nice. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. that reminder to be in like the, the space where your kids tantruming or the space where your entire house is literally disaster. It's not as fun to be present in those sometimes. (laughs) So I really like that reminder. It's really good. Yes. No, this is good. It's good because I feel like I'm thinking now, I like I like that we're going to talk about some of the ways that we really can be more open because I feel like it is it is so easy to be living in the past or the future. Like it's so easy to be like, okay, next I have to do these things. I really, I feel like I'm a, it's cute because I feel like time for kids is like so adorable. It's like such an interesting concept and it's hard to explain time to them. But I feel like Emmett will oftentimes in the morning, he'll be like, is it tomorrow? But it's funny because I think about it. I'm like, and this is going to maybe sound kind of weird, but it's like tomorrow actually never does come because it's always today. And I think about it and I hope this makes sense, but I did have like, it's like a funny realization of like, like the next hour doesn't really exist because like you are always in this moment now. And so anyway, it's like sometimes a good reminder to me that it's like, now is the only time that I'm actually in. And it's true. Like, I think you guys both said this, but like, we do come to know something when we're present with it now. Eckhart Tolle gives some examples of like, you can know a lot of things about, um, like he, he gives the example of like walking in a forest. He's like, you can know a lot of things about a forest. Like you can know the trees that are in it. You can know these things and actually never have walked in the forest. So like you can actually know about it and never have walked in it. You can also like walk in a forest and not know anything about it. But he even gives, but I think sometimes when I think about it, so like with our kids, it's like we can, or just people, just people, it's like we can know about them and never actually really know them. This might, I'm hoping I'm describing, like articulating this right, but never actually like know them because we're not like present with them in the moment and having our souls open with them, like you were talking about, Felicia. And like, I think we can also, like, anyway, so it's like you, with our kids, I think our kids, we as their parents know so much about them because we've been them with them from day one. And I think it's really easy to almost like sometimes like think, kind of what you're saying, like on almost, I don't want to say superficial because it's not, like we're their parents, but I think sometimes when we're able to almost get on this deeper level, it's like we can know about them and then actually truly know them when we're with them in these moments of big emotions, even in the small moments. And I think it is, it's it's a gift that we give ourselves because I think about the times when I really have been in the moment and it is beautiful because I feel like it's a deeper kind of knowing that only can come 
when we are choosing to be spiritually present in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it came to my mind as you were talking about that, Caitlin. If you've ever held, so this is more of a practical practice of being presence, being present. But if you've ever held a baby while they're eating, they're drinking milk in any way, whether that's bottle or breast. But there is something, I mean, you don't know at that point, you don't know anything about the kids' likes, dislikes, when they're going to be older. You know what I mean? You don't know if they're going to like soccer or if they're going to like ballet. You have an idea. You know little things about their personalities when they're babies, right? But there's so much about their life that you don't know. But when you're with a baby and they're just staring up at you, I am clearly feeling emotional today, but I'm like trying not to cry here. But if you stare at a baby while they're eating, I mean, you, you know them, you like know their soul because they're just staring at you. And with a baby, it isn't like an adult where it gets awkward when you're staring at them for a while. Baby's going to stare at you in the eyes forever until sometimes they get a little overstimulated and they'll look away, but it's not the same like social, um, etiquette situation with older people. But I mean, you really do. It's interesting. Like it's exactly what you were just saying about Eckhart Tolle. You don't, it's like not knowing the name of a tree, but appreciating the tree. You can have a moment of connection with a little baby, not knowing so much about them. And yet, you know, all of them because you're connecting with them. So this is more of a practical practice, but I just invite anybody out there who has babies. A lot of times we think that while we're feeding them, it's a great chance to just get other stuff done, social media, whatever. And I've shared this before, but with my first, I used to read when I'd nurse because you just spend so much of your life nursing, you know? And I'd read and I loved it. And I'm not even saying that's a bad practice. I loved it. And, but I actually put my phone away. Felicia, I remember you saying you like chuck your phone far away so you weren't tempted by it. Because then when you're stuck feeding the baby, you can't get the phone. So, um, but after some, I don't know, I don't remember if I had read something or I decided to change my practice on my other babies. And after that, I didn't do anything besides, I just sit and I was like, I only have a certain amount of time. It's a lot of time that you feed babies for sure but it's something that lasts for so long. So I'm just going to watch them. And I mean, I had some of the most profoundly spiritual experiences still in my life for when I was, <laughs> I was nursing my babies because they're just either staring at you or they're sleeping or whatever it is. But it's this moment of presence. You're also, if you're breastfeeding, you're getting all this oxytocin released. And if you're bottle feeding, you're still feeling all I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a scientist here. I'm assuming there's still quite a bit of oxytocin being released because of all the connection that's happening. So to be clear, however you're feeding your baby, this is not a statement about how you feed your baby. However you're feeding your baby is wonderful and connecting, but maybe just this is a perfect try this or not for living present. If you have babies, I'm going to blame this that I haven't slept very much for the last two days because I'm really emotional about it, but, but it doesn't last for very long, you know? I mean, I haven't fed a baby now for years and I still look back at that with a lot of nostalgia and it's a really great chance to connect. You might not think you have the time to connect, but all of us, if you have babies, there's just a lot of care that is required. And if you're present during those moments of care, then for the rest of the time when you're taking care of all of your other kids and the baby isn't getting one-on-one attention, you've already had this amazing time of connection and that that looks like diaper changes and that looks like feeding them and that looks like all the things that you're already doing but you're taking the time to connect while you're doing it I think is a beautiful when we're talking about being present it's a beautiful way to make it in practice right how do we practice this what are you already doing how can you make it into a present 
beautiful connective experience. For babies, that's what it looks like. For older kids, for me, what it looks like now is driving in the car is turned into this amazing chance of connection, right? We could just, and we actually, we used to always listen to books, which I really love. But now, because we're driving a lot, like short distances, to me, that's a time to really connect with them. You know what I mean? Can I be present right now? Let them talk. And it turns something that I'm already doing into a time of connection. So, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is this is just a tip to make it practical. How do we be present? What are we already doing? How can we make it actually present and turn it into a moment of connection? And for babies, it looks one way. For older kids, it looks a different way. But either way, it's about connection. And I also think this, I think the magical thing about babies with that eye contact, there is ways to still get that with older kids. But I think it's a little more... I have to be a lot more intentional. You don't just, I don't usually just sit there staring into my 13 year old's eyes and have this uninterrupted eye contact. Right. But is there ways to do that when I'm talking with her? Can I make sure I actually am giving her eye contact? What are we eating? Am I looking at my phone or am I actually like looking at my family in the eyes? You know, there's different ways to do that, but I think eye contact is a huge way for presence and connection and spirituality, which to me is spirituality is connecting with other people. That's a huge part of it. Can I actually add to, cause I feel like I love everything you said. And I, I do feel like little one, like babies, our, our children are so, I think that's a huge gift that they give us is that they are present. They don't have a bunch of the excess worries and concerns and phones that we have that do distract us from being present. They truly are so present. And I love that. So I think I love everything that you said. I did want to add, I think something kind of cool and I really like that you mentioned, I think both of you mentioned this at the beginning, that like as parents, this is such a gift, like that we get to practice this all the time in real life. And it is like, it builds, it like builds our, I want to say like our spiritual muscles to be able to like do it. Because I think you named a lot of really beautiful and like pleasant times to be with our kids. But I feel like there's also been times at night and this is definitely, I like that we use the word practice because it is practicing because I'm, I'm not always good at this, but I will say that I, I've seen some really beautiful things happen with it. Cause I think sometimes it's hard. It's really hard to be present when things are hard. So I'm thinking about like times in the night where a baby wakes up, maybe they're sick, maybe they're teething or you don't even know. But like, I think about like a sick baby where they're crying and like, you don't totally know what to do. And like, That's, we all have been there where at night things are just like more desperate. Everything's more dire. Like I feel like in the morning I'll wake up and be like, oh, like it's okay. Everything's all right. But at nighttime, it feels so dire. Me and Cam will talk about that a lot. It's like the light will come and it'll be okay. But right now it's kind of dark and scary. But anyway, I do feel like there's been times I think I had just read Eckhart Tolle's book when I, when Emmett was just a little baby, um, I think I had like reread it or maybe I'd re-listened to an interview. And I I was thinking about there was a there was a night where I think I was up and I was worried. Like I was worried because I was like, man, I think he's sick and I don't totally know what's gonna be wrong. And like my mind started to rush of like kind of all the worst case scenarios. I'm like, what if he never goes to sleep? What if he's crying and I can never, you know, it was all those questions of like this like in the morning I'm gonna be so tired and the rest of the day. It was all those things that happen. And I thought to myself, I'm not really being present. I'm actually, part of the reason why I'm so worried is because I'm, I'm thinking about the future of what's going to happen if, and I don't even know if any of these things are going to happen, but it was kind of like my mind was racing. And I thought to myself, like, 
can I just be present even though this is an unpleasant moment? Like he's crying, it's dark and I'm tired. Like I'm really tired. And I thought like, I'm just going to try this. Like I'm just going to try to just be here now and not be thinking of all the things that could go wrong. And it was interesting. And I, I do try to do this now and it's hard. Like it is a practice, at least for me, I find it kind of hard, but it was cool how it changed because instead of being worried about the what if, what if, what if I'm so tired, I'm feeling all this. I really just was like, I was like, I'm just going to be here. And so I just, I like went through like, what am I feeling? But like, I was like, I felt his little body in my arms and like his soft little body. And then I paid attention to how he was crying, just like how that sounded. It wasn't necessarily a pleasant sound, but I just like listened. And I tried to go through all my senses. And it was crazy because I just like choosing to be present, it like changed the moment for me. And I think it almost, it changed the moment into a moment of gratitude because I thought to myself, and again, maybe I'm going to get emotional too, but I thought to myself, like, I actually started to feel grateful of like how grateful I was that I could be here for him in this moment where like he maybe did mean need me a little like he needed me at that time because he was sick and he wasn't feeling good and I was thinking about just that I was grateful that I was there even though it wasn't necessarily like it's not like I would choose to be up in the middle of the night with a sick baby but it was interesting how choosing to be present instead of worrying about the past or the future changed even an unpleasant moment into something that was actually really beautiful and I do try to do that um now, like I continue to try to do it. And again, it's a practice. I'm not always good at it, but I think it's another thing that I think, um, to think about. Cause I think as parents, we've all been in situations where it's like, I don't want this to be happening, but it is. And so choosing to be present and it can actually change it to just being something really beautiful. And, and I feel like we're really living life. Like I, I feel really alive when I'm actually being present, even especially when it is hard to be present. So I read a book, well, I've read it a few times, Seven Sacred Pauses. I think I've shared it <clears throat> on the podcast before, but if I will definitely link it again. But there's a practice in it called um, the Night Vigil. So basically the purpose of the book is there's seven times in the day that she outlines for, um, and it's Marina Whitaker is the author, but she outlines seven times in the day that you can like reconnect with like the sacred, like we, like we are all experiencing like this, this world of connectedness together. And so it's basically seven times in the day where you can hold space, meditate, pray, whatever you want to call it. Um, in like exactly what you're saying in this for me it feels like an open energy where when we're allowing ourselves to be there we are a little more connected to others it's starting to sound a little woo-woo but my favorite pause of the book is the night vigil because as a caregiver you are awake for this night vigil a lot more than most people <laughs> and yeah. The whole idea is that as you're sitting there with your sick baby or your teething baby or whatever, there's a lot of people in the world who are also awake for different reasons in a time that feels like dark and vulnerable. Maybe they have anxiety. Maybe they have insomnia. Maybe, you know, their kid was in a car accident. They don't quite know what's wrong. Um, 
whatever it is, it's like a very vulnerable, like open time when people are experiencing oftentimes uncomfortable feelings. And whenever my baby, after I read this book, when my kids would wake me up in the night or my baby would make me up, wake me up, I couldn't help but like feel this presence for a moment of like, okay, I can right now take this moment to be present and connect with this energy of holding vigil and space for everyone who's experiencing this moment. And once you, I feel like that one's like the most poignant. And once you do that though, you can go throughout your day and it's like, you're feeling really frustrated in traffic and it's like, hold on, take a pause. Like how many of us are feeling that? So it's like this more like open field of connection. Um, Mm. And there's a quote um, in the Gospel of Thomas, and it's actually um, a, one of Christ's quotes, but it says, if you say the kingdom of God is in the sky, then the birds got in ahead of you. And it's like the idea that, you know, this distance, like we can't, we aren't birds, we can't fly. It's almost like a, a place that's we're striving for that's really like none of us are ever going to be there where it's like right here is where we all are together experiencing these things. And I just, both of those just remind me that coming into presence isn't a selfish space. It's like an opening for our kids, for our spouse, for our friends that it's just like feel it's just like so warm and good. I don't know. I can't even like describe it, but as we're talking about it, like <laughs> I keep picturing I'm like wanna tell Terilyn's kindergartner to watch out because I feel like I'm gonna walk walk in her house today and she's gonna be like feeding in a bottle on the couch like <laughs> But it's like it's like it's such a gift for all the people around us as we become more present. I think it's really cool to hear you guys talk about it. Okay, so I feel like we're weaving in our practices of presence as we're talking about just the idea of it. Um, I feel like a lot of the things I wanted to share on practices that I do, I've already kind of shared here, but I'll share... um, Two final things. One is just something that we touch on a ton, but I read a quote in Tim Ferriss's email that said, if you feel like you need something, it's probably sleep. (laughs) Like (laughs) if something is going wrong or you're missing something in your life or you're feeling disconnected, you mostly are probably tired. And I think as a parent, I just like to hear that reminder that if I'm having trouble being present, I'm having trouble connecting spiritually, whatever it is, that I probably need a little more sleep. So as far as like routines and habits, I just wanted to plug that again to make your sleep or a space for sleep a a priority. Mm -hmm. Can I just add there that being present with other people, just like, I mean, Brené Brown, right, would say this, you cannot give love you you do not have for yourself, right? I think being present with other people also the the an important piece of that is being present with ourselves and part of being present with ourselves is being aware of the things we need right 
and that includes self-care and our essentials, our, our morning routines, whatever it is. So I just want to echo that, that um, I think that part of being present is being present with ourselves and being aware of our own needs. I think that's really, really, really important. And that comes back to, for me, one of my favorite tools I just want to throw in as like a, and so if we're practicing, what does the actual practice look like? For me personally, our breath is one of the best anchors ever. So not only can we have, for me, again, the morning routine is where I start with the presence, right? If I can be present with myself during my morning routine, my ability to be present throughout the day with other people goes up a ton if I take that time. However, what happens when I get into lizard brain and I'm off in the weeds somewhere or I'm frustrated or whatever, how do I come back? The breath. We always are breathing constantly. Again, what are we already doing? If, if For me, the theme of today is what am I already doing? How can I turn into connection, right? I'm already breathing. So how can I come back? And just a really practical way of doing this is you come back to your breath, literally think in, out, in, out. That's it, guys. I mean, it's so simple. You can count down from 10, 10, 9. I mean, they're so easy, but literally, I mean, it changes the chemistry of your brain. If you just take a second and come back to your breath, and I think for me, 10 breaths is magical. 10 breaths can reset my entire brain. So I just want to throw that in as a practical tip when you're trying to live in the present moment and you are just floating around in your head, whether that's you're frustrated, you're mad, you're impatient, you're tired, or you're caught up and worry about the future, or you're caught up in circling about something that happened in the past, coming back to your breath is a great way to reset. So that's just a really nice, easy tool to bring yourself into the present moment. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I love all of those. And I think some tips that I, I want to reiterate of things that, again, like time and space, there's a quote that I really love and it's from Russell M. Nelson. And he says, um, so as he says, in the absence of experiences with God, one can doubt the existence of experiences with him. So put yourself in a position to begin having experiences with him. And I, I like that because I think when we give ourselves the time and space to have connections with divinity and with a higher power, a higher source, then like we are able to bring that more with us throughout our day. So I like that, like whether it's the morning, like if you have some time in the morning routine. And I think I want to reiterate, like <clears throat> this might look different for everybody. And I want to reiterate that it doesn't have to be a super long period of time. I feel like I'm in a stage of life and I think you guys can probably relate to where I'm in a stage of life where it's my, my morning routine isn't necessarily long because I like sleep is really important. And then once my kids get up, it is kind of hard for me to get a really, some of those things that I want to, to really connect with God and kind of center myself. And so sometimes, even though I wish sometimes I, I want more time, it's like, I also feel like sometimes I'm not willing to cut out more of my sleep. And then once my kids are up, I'm also not willing to cut out some of that too. So I want to reiterate that when we talk about like taking this time to, you know, like whether it's meditating in the morning, taking the time to do some reading, prayer, different things like that, that help you really connect um, and center in it doesn't have to be this extended period of time where you're spending, you know, two hours to do it. I think that's beautiful if you can, but also realizing that like, if you take 10 minutes to maybe do some of these things, like there's studies that show that eight to 10 minutes of having some calming time actually is enough to have a lot of the health benefits that can come from having like a really calming routine. So 
I think that's just something to recognize and something that I recently heard in a podcast that Terlin had sent um, <clears throat> that I was like, oh, that's totally doable for me because I do feel like my routine is maybe shorter than I would sometimes like is that you can even have like choose a day weekly. Like it could be Sunday. It could be any day, but Sunday might be a good one, at least for me, where maybe you do choose to, to have a little bit deeper of a spiritual practice where you're feeding your spirit even more. And I liked that because I thought, I can do that. Like I can actually like have, like I might not be able to do this long period of time every day, but I could one day choose to go even a little bit deeper of like spending more time, maybe doing different things that are going to feed my spirit. So I think that's just like another something to try that if you're wanting to maybe put more time into feeding yourself spiritually and, and doing some of the spiritual practice, whether that's meditating, whether it's reading scriptures, whether it's visualizing, whatever those things may look like for you, um, that like, if you want to spend more time, but you're feeling like you don't want to cut out on time either way, you can choose, like maybe choose one day during the week that you can go a little bit deeper. I really like that. I love that, Caitlin. Those are really <clears throat> concrete, especially for parents where daily it is shorter. Yeah. All right, guys, as usual, I have a renewed um, awareness of how if I'm being present in my day, this, I feel like whenever we record an episode, I'm always like, oh, that was for me. So that was really great. I hope that um, this helps you build your awareness of your spiritual practice throughout the day and helps you find a little more magic. Brown cows. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>